0: I'm going to buy that keyboard and you and I are going to start a rock band and we're going to get all the ladies and we're going to, we're just gonna have a great time.
1: Welcome to the Exploring Washington state podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. So my guest today is Raymond Hayden. Raymond, this is going to be a short intro. You are a keyboard player currently in the Tacoma area. I'm going to shut up and I'm going to ask you to, tell our audience about you
0: Please. well i scott thanks for having me on your podcast <laughs> for sure definitely um i like long walks on the beach okay. I like i like chocolate truffles and uh i'm a huge pink floyd fan
1: Um uh, no uh, okay before you go on okay okay uh, most underrated pink floyd album
0: mm, saucer full of secrets okay I think, I think because it's a, my saxophone playing friends out there always give me shit about, um, uh, about liking Pink Floyd so much. And when they do gigs with me, they just give me an, you know, endless amount of shit. And I'm like, have you, uh, have you listened to Pink Floyd? Because I mean, when that guy comes out there, you know, uh, back in the day, I mean, he had a Barry sax on him and then he had a a tenor strapped around the back of backside. But to your question, underrated, is, uh, you know, you hear people talking about, of course, Dark Side of Moon. You hear people talking about The Wall, Animals, uh, gate, uh, Pipers at the Gates of Dawn, um, uh, Division Bell. But you don't hardly ever hear anyone talk about Saucer Full of Secrets. Um, and then the one out, the question you didn't ask, but is the one Pink Floyd album that I'm not particularly fond of. And that is uh, Uma Goomba.
1: Okay. A- and, uh, yeah. But you you left out one that most people don't leave out, and in in it's "Wish You Were Here."
0: Oh shoot, shoot, shoot! Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. It's funny because most people, um, I, you know, as you know, I have a podcast. I did a recent interview, and my guest, we talked about Pink Floyd, and his favorite album was "Wish You Were Here." And you know, the song itself, I love. It's it's so beautiful, um, and uh, I don't know why. I don't know why. I think probably because my mind is more. I I'm more of a concept guy. Like for example, okay. if you, if you ask me what, what my favorite Queensryche album was, um, I could name a lot of Queensryche songs that I love, but I, I would say operation mind crime because okay. I'm, 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 and that's probably why I leave. Wish you were here out because I, I really love the concept albums. Okay. So. All
1: right. Well, so, so we, we, we already went off the rails and we've already hijacked <laughs> this. So let's, let's come back. Let's go so, back. Give us some of your background, please. All right,
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you're, 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 you've got your job cut out for you today, my brother. Um, so, uh, so basically, OK, I'll, I'll give you the snapshot. Um, and and um, so I started playing music at, at nine and I wanted to be a drummer. Um, and so I joined Drum and Bugle Corps and you know, I was all excited. And they said, yeah, we'd love to have you in. And um, I, I said, OK, I want to be a drummer. And so when I showed up to my first rehearsal, they handed me a pair of cymbals. And I was like, uh, what the, this isn't drums. And they're like, listen, and I learned that stupid cliche phrase. You got to walk before you run, son. (laughs) And I, I I hate that, but I've learned to embrace that because it's true. So I started out, I I want to be a drummer, did the cymbals. I got bored real quick, uh, ended up, um, at, at one of our, uh, away camps was on one of my friend's trumpets and was playing it, found out I had a knack for that. So I ended up, started playing trumpet um, throughout the years of junior high, you know, elementary school, junior high and high school. I ended up playing trumpet and jazz bands and pep band, French horn and concert band and honor band, um, uh, baritone in drum and bugle corps, touring all over the West Coast and Western Canada. Um, And then um, uh, even even contrabass um, in, in marching band. And so had, did a lot of that. So obviously a lot of uh, being involved in music. Um, and when I wasn't doing that, I was, a, I was like a camp counselor at church and stuff like this, but just do a lot of that stuff. Uh, fast forwarding. Um, I I joined the army in 1985 and we went over to Europe and a friend of mine who to this day is still a friend of mine, Jane, um, we were sitting down having a drink and uh, I met her over there and she said, Hey, she, she found out I was a musician. She says, Hey, I got a buddy of mine, this guy, James, they call him Rocket Rose, who's a guitar player. And right as she said that, he walks in. So she introduced us. We went down, we talked, got along swimmingly, went to the music center, which was right outside the post, right outside the barracks where I was stationed in Germany. And uh, went down there. I rented a trumpet. He had his guitar. He was playing Eruption on the guitar and I was playing, you know, like a, you know, Chameleon by uh, Maynard Ferguson. Didn't really work okay. out. Didn't really work out so well, and so uh as we were leaving, we laughed, and we uh, we, we were going to go get a beer. And as we were leaving on the on the bulletin board, there was a there was a Polaroid for the young people out there. Polaroids are were the old day instant pictures, and uh, <laughs> uh it, it was a picture of a Roland Juno one hundred and six, and it was on sale for eight hundred dollars. The cords, the the keyboard, the case, blah blah blah. And I looked at it, and I looked at my buddy James Rocket Rose, and I said, you know. I'm going to buy that keyboard and you and I are going to start a rock band and we're going to get all the ladies and we're going to, we're just gonna have a great time. We went out that night, drank and had a good time. The next morning I woke up and I was like, well, I got three and a half years left in Germany. What the hell else am I going to do? So I went to the bank, got a loan, bought the keyboard, uh, got lessons. Turns out the guy that I was taking lessons from, was a major rock star. Um, him and I became best friends to this day, still are. He lives in Hamburg, Germany. And going forward, uh, where we speed this up is I ended up, that band was my first band over in, over in Europe called ambition. Uh, did a lot of you know, classic rock and progressive rock, moved back to the States. We toured, you know, first really toured around, toured around Europe. Then we went to the States and East coast. And well, that's when we imploded with, you know, know, different members of drugs. And for me it was alcohol and women and, um, moved back home to watch to Tacoma, where my uh, grandmother was ailing in health, so I was taking care of her and uh, going to college and different bands throughout the years, and um, th- just kept being a keyboard player. And you know, and then over the course of things, you know, uh, ended up started you know, be, ma- made friendships with uh, different radio uh, show hosts like Pat Cashman, and um, started doing a little did a little bit of you know some TV specials here and there. More bands started putting out albums. Ended up having my own record label. Ended up starting a podcast, and then here we are. You know, all these years later, and um, you know, I don't, I don't really define myself as a musician. I define myself as a, as a connector, and as a, you know, community person. Um, and just one of the, one of the things I've done my whole life is I've just music is something I've used to connect with people. That's about the, the quickest way I can kind of give you a snapshot of how I got to where I am now.
1: Well, that's that's a that's awesome. My one question I have is, do you still have that original keyboard? You know, that's a great question. And I can tell you that the answer
0: to that question is yes. And no, because, you know, Scott, I've learned and and listen, man, I'm, I'm just like anybody else. We've, you know, made mistakes and done whatever, but I've always tried to treat people well and, and just be myself. And, and no matter who you are, listen to you. And a really good buddy of mine, um, Terry powers, uh, just latched on, to what I was doing musically and was such a big supporter. And when I put my last album out, well, my last full album, November 23rd of 2019, um, it was called Accidental Grace. And I dedicated it to him because he was such a big supporter. It's an all instrumental piano. And um, when I released that album, uh, he invited me down to his house to smoke some cigars, drink some whiskey, whatever. And he said, I have, I have something for you. Well, backing up for a second, that, that, that original keyboard I ended up selling in Germany, um, or in the East coast. Um, but it's, it's, it was a Roland Juno 106. Mm-hmm. When I went to Terry's house, um, he, we went into his garage and he gave me, cause he was a keyboard player too at one time. He gave me his keyboard and it was a Roland Juno 106. So okay. it's not the actual keyboard that I had in Germany, but it's the exact same model. And so, um, I have it set up in my rig. And so, yeah, so it was, it was like, it was kind of one of those full circle moments, but really cool.
1: So what are you currently, your rig, what are, what are you currently, Yeah, my what rig, are you playing with? What days, how
0: uh, well, not an accordion. Um, but, uh, so I have, I have, uh, I have five keyboards and, um, I've actually been toying around with the idea of, of change, changing my rig to a simpler setup, but, Um, just the different bands I've been playing with and whatever have led me to where I am now. So my main, my main thing I do is piano. That's my main, my main, my main strength as a, as a keyboard player. And so I have uh, my, on my main set, my main setup, I have a Yamaha CP 300, which I use for predominantly piano. It's got a, one of the the best piano sounds out there I've, I've ever heard Um, and strings, some roads, some Wurlitzer, um on top of that I have a Studio Logic Sledge, which is a sexy keyboard. It's black, and the keys that are normally white are black, and the keys that are normally black are gray. Um and that's hmm. a, that's a synthesizer. Um okay. and, and it's uh, um it's got arpeggiators and all kinds of beautiful synth sounds, etc. Um and then on my right, um on the bottom I have a Nord Electro 3, which I uh predominantly use for organ. They're Known for, for having an ama- amazing organ sounds, um, almost comparable to uh, to um, uh, Hammond's B3s. Okay, um, but I also use it for some Wurlitzer and some s- little bit of strings here and there. Uh, on top of that, I have a Korg cross, uh, it's a small 61 note keyboard, and it's um, it's got a sequencer and a lot of beautiful tools that I don't use. I specifically got that because I was missing in the re- repertoire of si- sounds I had, really, really amazingly luscious strings. And Uh that's so important as a keyboard player that you've got to have really nice strings. And so it's, it's uh, so I get pretty much, I use that for all my string sounds, um, warm, synthy, eight easy, whatever. And then um, behind me, I have the Roland Juno 106, which we just talked about. And that's an analog. All those other keyboards are digital. This is an analog keyboard. Um, You can program sounds, but it has all the knobs and, and levers and all that stuff. So on the fly, you can um, change the sounds pretty spectacularly. So that, that, and that's my rig.
1: That's okay. All right. So before we, before we went live, and so we're going to mix this up a little bit because uh, that's just what I like to do. So I love to ask this question of everybody, especially musicians. So it's a two part question, Washington state based, not, you don't get to say, out of state Europe sorry this is got to be Washington state based you got it best venue you've ever played at and best venue you've ever seen a show at hmm
0: wow um see that's tricky because a lot of these uh, a lot of these venues are owned by friends of mine so I'll get myself into <laughs> trouble. But if I'm being. You can it, name. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. cut
1: you some slack. Give us a couple of examples so you can be, you, you know. Oh, no. I'll, I'll, and I'll, why? I'd like to know why. Yeah. yeah. From and, a musician and, standpoint.
0: And I'll tell you what, I will. Uh, I And I appreciate the flexibility, but I can listen. Every, every one of these venues um, in Tacoma, um, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll stick to Tacoma, like uh, Washington, like you said, you know, Tacoma and Seattle, um, they're, they're, they all have, they all bring different things. Um, Mm -hmm. but I would say if I was thinking about it, my favorite venue to play in Washington to date, um, hands down would be jazz bones. Um, and you know, a lot of different artists have different reasons why they either love playing there or they don't like playing there. And why I like playing there is because it is set up so beautifully, you know, uh, When, from the moment you walk in, you know, the bar is right there on the left hand side. So if you want to walk over and get a drink, you can. And then if you want to go upstairs, you know, it's right there. You can walk upstairs. So it's very, everything is set up really nice. But from an artist standpoint, they always are very artist centric. Um, they understand artists. They've been around for a long time. I know that they're, they're, they have different ownerships now. And, you know, the owner now is Rachel Hogan, who for the longest time was a bar, um, lead there. Uh, bartender and the lead. And uh, so she's been there for a long time in our sense, but the, 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 the feeling there is always they, they understand artists, they take care of them. Um, they also know when to slap their wrists and, you know, you know, keep them in line. Um, but the stage, it, it, it the stage isn't really that big, but it's kind of nooked. It's it's kind of tucked back there in the corner. Um, even though the system, sound system is new now, every sound system they've always had is, it packs a punch. And I like systems like that, that, that pack a punch and have, you know, good monitors on stage. And because it's nooked in the corner, the audience is kind of forced is in, is in line with that stage. But then also if you look up, there's that upstairs area, the balcony. So me personally, other artists have, you know, you know, they'll they'll maybe say the Swiss or Louis G's or, or, you know, McMenamin's now or, or, you know, the Spanish ballroom or, or whatever. I feel when I play at Jazz Bones that it's like, a, it's like playing in a small arena because at an arena, right? You know, these guys are on stage and they look out and they see people and they look up and they see people way out in the rafters and they can talk to them and whatever in that connection. When you're at Jazz Bones, you know, you know, you can be up there on stage and you're connected with these people right in front of you. And then there's these people over to the right of you and the people in front of you are intently listening to music and the people over to the right are maybe, um, uh, you know, they're drinking and they're talking and some artists get offended by that. I'm like, no, if I'm their soundtrack for their conversation, that's badass. And then I can look up to the right and look up around. And it's like, so it's like a small arena. So that is hands down probably my favorite place to play still. And that's why I love playing that place. Um, even the worst experiences I've had there um, are better than some of the, you know, better experiences other places.
1: All right. How about, so what's a venue that you've, you've seen a lot of, I'm guessing a lot of your peers play throughout the years. Where's it from, a, from the audience side now, where's it a great place to take in a show in your opinion when you're in the audience? Mm. <sighs> yeah, that's a, let me think about that
0: for a second. I know we're, I don't want to kill air here. So, you Very know, <laughs> play, playing on stage and that's a, that's a, actually it's a fantastic line of questions, Scott, because Playing on stage is one perspective. Watching and taking it in is a different perspective. And unf- I would say, um, and unfortunately, um, it's no longer around. One of my favorite places to play or to to watch a a, a band was Louis G's. And okay. I will say that um, the sound wasn't always, um, you know, uh, ideal. Um, and Mm -hmm. that's just a personal preference. That's not a knock on the sound guy or anything like that. It's just, you know, every, you know, my ear, I'm a musician. So my, unfortunately, unfortunately, my ears are tuned in, but I liked that place because it was bigger and you could kind of walk around and, you know, you, you know, and, 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 and if it was, if you were on overload, um, you're, you know, uh, sensory overload or whatever, um, you could go into the very back. And just get away from, you know, a little bit and kind of like being at a concert. You know, if you uh, if you're enjoying the concert and you're like, I need a beer or whatever, you know, you go out into the hallways and whatever and you get away from a little bit. So, yeah, I'd probably say of uh, the venues, I mean, and I even like um, uh, the Spanish ballroom, McMenamin's, which is kind of even though Louis G's is gone. I would say it's now McMenamin's is probably... uh, one of my favorite places to go watch music for the same, for the, for the same exact reason. And that's not to take anything away from jazz bones or, or, um, uh, anywhere else. It's just, um, yeah, I like that. I, I actually like the, uh, uh, the Tacoma venues more than I like the Seattle venues. I mean, the hard, I've done tons of shows and been a, uh, a, 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 a judge at the hard rock. They've got a beautiful sound system, but it never sounds good. And that mm. just, distra- and, and, you know, and it's kind of a box, so it's, you know, people are like, oh, the hard rock. And it's like, ah, uh, not so much. Sorry,
1: guys. <laughs> what, um, what about the triple door? A lot of people like the triple door. Um, I can okay. put you on the spot. No, no, knowledge. no.
0: You can, because we're having, we're having an authentic. I mean, you know, yeah. if somebody heard this and they could say, well, what does that guy know? Um, I've played at the triple door. Um, mm-hmm. love playing at the triple door. It's a great place to play. Um, I would just say probably the best way I could say it is for me, the experience of being at the triple door is always great. The tiered seating, the fact you can sit there and have a cup of coffee or a drink and great food or whatever the theater type of uh, aspect to it. Um, I love, 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 love that. Um, but there's the way their sound system is set up. It's, I, it's only really, idea, there's specific certain types of bands sound great in there and certain bands don't. And that's, okay. that's not a reflection on anything other than the room itself. And it's the same thing. You didn't ask about this, but I just thought of another room because I'm thinking, you know, you think when you think music venues, you know, you some sometimes things pop out, but my band, Grieve the Astronaut has done three shows um, at, at a place called the Auburn Avenue theater. Um, and okay. that is actually, um, I'll, I'll, everything I said about jazz bones is still in place, but Auburn Avenue theater is more of a theater. And that's, if it, it, it probably in my entire life, One of the most, one of the, one of the best, most fulfilling shows I've ever done is at the Auburn Avenue Theater because of it, because it's a theater. It's not a music, you know, club. It's a theater. It's got, you know, more tiered seating and, you know, uh, move lights, movers and all this kind of stuff. Even more so than, um, I've played, I've, I've been, I've had the opportunity to play in some big stages over the course of my life, you know, uh, most, uh, recently with my, with my wife, Jessica Lynn Whitty, who's a country artist. Um, you know, opening up for uh, uh, Diamond Rio and Larry the Cable Guy, and Jeff Foxworthy, Trace Adkins—you um, know—on um, on a White River amphitheater size stage, which is super awesome, right? Great, mm-hmm. but I, di- I didn't feel the connection to the audience into the to the room as much as like the Auburn Avenue Theater jazz bones we talked about.
1: So i I've never been musically talented, so I've never been on a stage. Well, maybe in fifth grade i played in a grade school band and probably was you know now yeah, whatever
0: i was there said I, had, something. I had tickets for that concert
1: you had tickets for that show yes um they're worth a lot so but let me but you said something that that i'd like to i'd like to explore a little bit is the the connection between the 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 artist and the audience and you mentioned a white river sized stage versus a jazz bone sized stage mm-hmm. if you will what is it like as a performer when you're playing in a larger venue where you might not have that intimate connection to the audience like you would at, at Jazz Bones where they're literally standing, you know, a few feet in front of you, if you will, or up on the balcony. But if you're playing at something, and we'll just use White, we're, white River, I don't know if you've ever actually played at that venue, but I have been there, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Have yeah. you Have you been... To, You've been there, I've, I've been right? there. I've never played
0: it, but I've been there. I've seen Def Leppard journey, all that. Yeah. So let's
1: yeah. use that venue. Okay. The, the, is, you know, I'm going to ask you to like, imagine that you performed on that stage. How do you, how do you prepare differently for venue sizes like that? Or do you, or do you just go up there and do your thing and what happens happens? Uh, do you mind if I back up for a second, please? So year, years ago,
0: and, and and now he's a very dear friend. Um, Jessica's bass player is a very well known, uh, local bass player, fiddle, violin player, guy named by the guy, by the guy by the name of Lynn Sorensen. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, years ago, before we were friends, I interviewed him on my first podcast, The Aquarium. And, uh, I asked him a very similar line of questioning of like your favorite place to play, whatever, what's your ideal place to play. And he, you know, he's, he played with, um, he toured with, uh, Paul Rogers. And with, uh, uh, bad company and okay. he, he's played Wembley Stadium four times, 100,000, okay. 100,000 people. So. Okay. I asked him, said, what's your favorite venue to play? What's your favorite? What's your ideal situation? And so I, I thought he'd immediately go to Wembley. And, uh, he said, he said, my favorite is when I'm at a club that holds about a hundred and about a hundred people and there's maybe 125 150 there. So it's packed and people can't move and 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 they're right there in your face. Now, um I never really under I mean I I was like, "Huh? That well, I you know, hmm. well I don't know how that is, but years later I understand that. Um because to answer your question and answer a question you didn't ask, but just goes that same way as how do I how do how do I <clears throat> everyone preps differently. How do I prep? Well, obviously the level of excitement playing a big stage like that is much greater than playing a a stage like Jazz Bones because it's the, I've made it, you know, that whole what's making it and whatever. It's like, I've made it. I'm on the big stage. I'm the whatever, but you know, and holy Christ, I'm going to play, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And when it comes down to it, when you're not the headliner, you maybe be playing for a couple hundred people where they're playing for, you know, 10,000 because not everybody's quite there yet, and whatever. So how I prep for it is the same. I make sure that I have my gear, uh, all the cords, you know, everything like this. I make sure I, I, I know where I'm going. I show up on time. Um, it, the only difference is the level of excitement, but then when it's done, uh, I now we fast forward and, and like I said, you had your work work cut out for you today. I fast forward <laughs> to a movie that just came out recently called soul. And I don't know if okay. you've seen that, but it's an animated Pixar type movie.
1: Oh, I have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, and towards the very end, you know, uh, the guy gets up on stage and he makes it happen and it's a beautiful thing and great. And when the, when the gig's done, He's sitting out front and the gal's like, well, we'll see you here tomorrow night. And he goes, Oh yeah. Yeah. We're going to do it all over again. And why I bring that up is because uh, I'm trying to keep with my own self here is, is playing a smaller stage, playing a bigger stage. um, And it's the perception of what is making it. And, for some people, maybe that's, maybe that's it. But I, most artists I know, the biggest, if you will, making it thing is, is actually connecting with your fans. And so it made me understand why, why, um why Lynn said that about, you know, his favorite gig, even though he's played for a hundred thousand people, four times is in the smaller club is because you want that connection. You want the interaction and what we make, it's all in our heads. What we make, anything to be, whether you're playing in front of 10 people or 10,000 people, a hundred thousand people, it's ultimately really all about connection. So you may prepare for the show the same way. Your perception of what the show is going to be is, 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 is one thing. When it comes down to it, I've played thousands of shows of my life and the ones that I remember, I mean, you, why I remember playing with Jessica with Larry, the cable guy is because when we were done playing our set, you know, we got our stuff loaded off the stage uh, Larry, the cable guy and Jeff Oxford, they did their sets. And while diamond Rio was playing, we're on side stage smoking cigars with Larry, the cable, you know, that's not his real name, but, but with him yeah, but- and and I'm sitting there watching my wife, uh, and him for like a half hour, um, elbow to elbow, like singing like joking around, like they're singing it because they know all the words to every song. And so that's why I remember that. But the performance, the performances I remember over the course of my life are all on more smaller, intimate stages where you can actually really see people connecting with what you're doing. Okay. That's just me.
1: But you're doing this for you. Yeah. Ultimately, this is your art. Yep. It's your art. Yep. One of the things that I've seen when I've, started looking at your Facebook and your social media and all that you, you tend to have a very positive outlook. I'm looking at a photograph right now. It's, it's, I don't know who kind of like cracked plaster, but it's, you're sitting on a, yeah, you know, it's, you, you you nod your head. So, but, but it says, put aside your worry. Um and I can't read. You deserve it. Thank you. Sorry. I'm like,
0: yeah, my graphic,
1: my, where did this, Yeah, where did your positivity come from? Because uh, I've noticed that and I, I appreciate this.
0: And I, and, and I, and I appreciate you noticing it, man. I mean, I know, uh, uh, and I'm being sincere too, man. I really do because let me answer your question <laughs> because, because I'm an authentic guy and, uh, don't get me wrong, man. I love to cut up and tell bad jokes and whatever. I don't want to, I don't want to come across as Walt Disney today, but I will tell you that, um, you know, being, being, 54 and 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 having this life of ups and downs and and things that stick with you that affect you that you don't realize affect you and stuff um i i i i don't i don't know whether it was how i was you know raised because i was mostly raised by my mom um and my grandmother um and i didn't my 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 father wasn't around that it gave me a different perspective on life um but um I have always kind of looked at life a little differently than other people do. And, and especially with what happened during COVID, um, because there, because there's an explosion, you're looking at stuff now over the last six months, I, I, I've amplified my positivity during the COVID thing. Um, it really amplified a lot of what people are going through. And, you know, and so if, if they're going through negative stuff, it's coming out more, it manifests in different ways. Um, and, it did the same thing with me, man. I was having, I was self value, being comfortable in my own skin. Even though I do all this stuff in front of people, I still had that and it got started getting magnified, started getting magnified. And then I got, so about six or so months ago, I got a coach, a life coach, a gentleman by the name of Sean Hall. And, um, we started digging into it. And I said, you know, I, I you know, whatever. And we were able to, um, uncover at the, the very core of why I was feeling the way that I was and because normal life distracts us and, and and it takes our minds off these things, COVID happens. And, and so now, now every one of these things is exposed and whatever. And so it ampl, what it did is when I was able to realize that the way I thought about life um, was there and, and work through some of this other stuff, it, 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 tr- it it's amplifying itself into absolute, uh, an obliteration of positivity. So every single day I put out a uh, meme and I do my own graphics with it, with an app. I use this, nothing. I've had some people say, who's your graphic designer? Sometimes, sometimes they're good. Sometimes you go like, what is he trying to say there? Um, <laughs> but I'm, but what what it is is I, I think where it comes from is this, I am just being who I am. Um, Whether it's goofy, you know, little, my little Jack, things I put out now and then with a the little rabbit telling people to have a good day or these positive memes or whatever. I'm not thinking, what are other people going to think? I'm just being myself and realizing, and here's the key to it. There's two, there's two things why I do it. All this stuff, you know, amplifying and bringing it to the forefront, but most people don't stop to think about their fellow human beings. They just see what's on the surface. The anger, the hatred, the you love Trump, you hate Trump, you're racist, you're not racist, you know, this, that, that, you know, vaccinators, the anti vaccinators, the maskers, the anti maskers, all this kind of stuff. Um, that's how most people look at it because it's simpler, because that's surface. What I, how I see it, and I truly do, um, I, I see every time I see someone post something that is just nasty or, um, or I, you know, or this or that, and they're just stern. My, again, not trying to be Walt Disney. I see a person who is hurting. I see a okay. person who lacks insight into their own. I'm not saying that they don't have, that they're their, they can't have opinions, and those you know those opinions aren't insightful. But whatever you do, things that that you manifest it in a way where you're telling other people that they're they're a certain way because they don't believe the way you believe. Um, I think a lot of that comes from hurt, and it comes from from pain and from a lack of insight and the willingness to get off their ass and really take a hard look at themselves and go, How can I contribute? And maybe that other person who's being, you know, maybe the reason I'm being nasty or that other person's being nasty isn't because they're really nasty. It's because it's easier to spew venom than it is to lift up their fellow human beings. And so the second part of it is. Sometimes, Scott, it's a reminder when I start feeling that way because I'm human too. When I start feeling negative or whatever, it's my way of keeping myself accountable, not not only to my fellow human beings out there, but to myself because at the end of the day, um, you know half the stuff people are arguing about don't mean in the, in the grand spectrum of things don't mean shit. So coming back to why I'm this way is because through the coaching, better late than never. I realized over the course of my life, I've, I've, I've looked at myself with imposter syndrome. I'm not as good as these other keyboard players, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I could have spent more time working on being a keyboard player than having a record label and having podcasts and being a judge and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, uh, it turns out that no, no, I was doing exactly what I was supposed to do because what I am is not a musician. It's, it's a human being who wants to make a difference. That's what I want to do in this life. When I go to my grave, I I want people to laugh, cut jokes. I want them to roast, you know, me at a wake. And, and I want to be known as that guy who makes, who makes, who, uh, who made, who made a difference. And so if putting out a post a day or here and there, um, that puts out some sort of a message, if it resonates with somebody, even a couple people out there, it gets them to think differently than man, I've had, I've had all the success in the world. Who cares if I've been on the White River the, you know, amphitheater stage? Um, I've made a difference. I mean, there's uh, I won't mention his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but there's a, an artist recently who's connected with me. And he says, Ray, I want what you have. And he came over and we talked. And I said, well, then you're going to have to dig. And you don't want what I have. You want what you have, but you're going to have to dig. And now he's got the same coach as I do. And not that everyone has to have a coach, but I'm just saying you got to dig and uh, and uh, uh, it it takes. It's easier to be positive than it's negative, but it it takes work. Well stated,
1: <laughs> long winded, but well stated. Well, thanks. That's why I do what I do, that's, man. That's that's awesome because that was I I was kept noticing this that you keep posting these things of, and not in a sappy way. I don't you know not in a Pollyanna Ooh. you know. Yeah, but in a an, an very approachable, authentic way. Cool, thank you. It, and and so I noticed that. Grieve the astronaut. Yes, sir. Let's talk about that. Okay. What do you want to know, my man? How'd you get started with this? And I've, I've read some stuff, so but I'd like the audience to hear it because they might not be reading like I've read. Okay. The name, I was, I was talking to my daughter, and I said, I'm going to have this guy on, and he's in the band Grieve the Astronaut. And her, my daughter's... Not to put her on the spot because she'll be listening to this, but she's mid-20s. Okay. Okay. She goes, what a weird name. Absolutely. And I go, I go, I don't think it's a weird name. I think there's a story there. And and maybe, maybe I'm wrong. No, you're maybe right. Maybe it's a weird name. Oh, okay, cool. So I was right. Yeah, Yeah. me. Listen, Kenzie, I was right. You're wrong. Okay, no, no.
0: no it, um, it, I, and I <laughs> I love that Kenzie said weird because if, if it's weird, it stands out. Right. 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 And and so So what's the what's the story of
1: this of this <laughs> band?
0: Damn it. It's so hard not to be, I'm going to, I'm going to, i be as succinct as I can. Okay. This goes back to what I said earlier in just being yourself, allow you to be yourself. And if something comes in your mind, I'm not saying do everything I mean, don't be impulsive all the time, but there's a reason I say that. So my, my wife, I wish I had this beautiful, grandiose story, but it's not. My wife and I were having lunch with her father and stepmother and they were talking about how they tore their smaller house down to put up a bigger house, and she had this uh, statue, like yard statue, of an astronaut. And when they tore the house down, she ended up losing that. And he just matter-of-factly, Scott, he said, "Yeah, she's been grieving the astronaut ever since." And then he took a bite of his food, and I looked at I looked at my wife, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And she she looks at me, and she's like, "Oh no." I was like, "She goes, don't say it." I said. That's a great band name. And so what the hell does that have to do with Grieve the Astronaut? It doesn't have anything to do with it. But what it did was it's, it was so cool. It unlocked something in me that had been wanting to get out. And so Grieve the Astronaut's been around for about four to five years, been through a couple different incarnations. um, But the band is, it's, even though the name came from just kind of a matter of fact thing, sorry, Kenzie, which had a better story for you. Um, but, but it, it, uh, it represents my muse because even though it's a band, it's my vision and my band are all top notch musicians. Um, you know, Sid sit on bass. We played in bands in the nineties, Eddie Mendoza on drums, Dave on guitars. Circa Cherokee and Jessica Lynn Whitty on, on vocals, Kellis and Ox on keyboards. And then myself on keyboards. Um, They're the ones that bring the sound alive. I write the songs. I have the vision. But it's about, especially the new album, which is called Signs, um, it's about people opening their eyes to things around them and not ignoring them and actually realizing that these things actually mean something. They're not coincidences. Um, And so the band Greed the Astronaut is our sound and style is, is reminiscent of uh, a combination of Pink Floyd and Muse. Um, Piano driven male vocal lead vocal with lots of female backing vocals. Um, And uh, uh, oh, by the way, people can, you can find us on greedtheastronaut.com. But uh, uh, the next song we have coming out is called Madness. And uh, so, Like I said, this is about, this album, this band is about awakening people to see things around them and, and listen and hear and not, not talk and not, you know, you hear some, you're talking, having a conversation with someone and you're not really hearing what they're saying because you're, you're, you have what you want to say in the back of your mind. It's like quieting that and just listening and seeing. And when you do that, you start realizing, um, there's, you know, you're going to find new avenues and uh, doors are going to open up and people like, like, for example, you, I've opened up more, you you've seen that. And now I'm on your podcast. Um, you know, the different things are going to happen. Things are going to happen in madness. The lyrics start out in the madness. We crawl around seeking what we can't find while all the world is blind. And the words that the words we choose will change us. They'll open up our eyes um, anticipate the anger, throw away the lies. And so basically what that's saying is we're all living in the same thing. We're all crawling around. If you were crawling, I, I, those words, I think came because it's, it's like a desperate thing, but it is, we're all looking for, you know, you know, you know, like when you're 20 years old, like maybe you're, maybe you've asked your daughter this, Kenzie, what are you, what are you going to do with your life? You know, there's this pressure. What are we going to do? And, and then once you go to college or, or you do go to trade school, or you find something you're going to do, then it's, well, well, have you got a guy or, you know, you know, whether you're, whether you're, whether you're, um, you know, uh, heterosexual or, or homosexual or transgender or whatever. So whatever it is, you have a partner. Um, and then as soon as you have a partner, are you going to have kids? Or are you going to adopt kids? Are you going to get a house? You see what I'm saying? It's, mm-hmm. it's madness. And so this band even if we never play the White River Amphitheater, if we can shine a light on the people to open up their eyes, to listen, and realize we're all really not that different. Black, white, Asian, male, female, gay, transgender, um, whatever. We all want the same thing. We just want, we want to know, we want to be heard. We want to know what our path is. And um, this band is... The music is powerful, it's dynamic, um, and it's very deep. It's very serious. And when you come to one of our shows, which we won't be doing shows till next year because we're prepping this year for all that, um, you, our, our main goal is to connect and to get people to walk away and want to listen more. And, and if we can make a difference in our small part of the world, we've been successful, man. And if we get the White River Amphitheater in the meantime, hey. We'll take
1: it. Well, let me ask you this question: right. Venue wise for "Grieve the Astronaut," mm-hmm. in your opinion, where's a, a, a like a venue that would be well suited for what you want to do?
0: Uh, theaters and big stages. Uh, you know, we we've already been offered um, by some other, some local um, peers of ours uh, to perform it you know, uh, some rock festivals and and some club shows. Um, and I've, uh, uh, been gracious and said, you know, I appreciate it. Love you. Um, if you want me to come in and play keyboards with you for a song, sure. But the band will only do shows at theaters, like probably our first show back will be the Auburn Avenue theater. Um, but this is, this is, this is meant, um, and I don't want to sound cocky, but it's meant for the big stage, Um lights. So it's got a
1: theatrical component. Absolutely.
0: It's a concept. I mean, okay. it's, it's a concept, you know, it's that there's, there's a multimedia story behind it of a man, of a, of a, of a man who uh, realizes where he is in life. And instead of uh, grabbing hold of, of the things that make his life beautiful um, he grabs hold of a technology that um, allows him to go back in time and warn his younger self um, to make different choices. And, and over the course of that, uh, the story unfolds, he realizes that the error of that. And that ties all this music together. So we try to do something because people, people hear with their eyes, man. Um yeah, That's why concerts are so powerful because you can hear the music all day long, but you go see them live. Like you, like you said earlier about seeing um Freddie Mercury, I guarantee you don't ever, you haven't heard Queen the same since. No, no, that,
1: and that was, I mean, I can, if I, kind of like do the whole in my mind's eye i can remember what the stage looked like i can i can yeah i can't recall the set list with great accuracy i can i can probably get pretty close but it's it was yeah that was 1980 because we hear with our eyes it's it's
0: it's the final step and so many artists don't understand this and it's not because they're because they're, you know, they're, 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 they're dumb or it's more because they're ignorant and ignorant sounds bad. It just means they don't, people don't know. That's all. It's the final dynamic element to any show. You're going to spend all this time writing these songs, rehearsing them, getting the no stand, the dynamics, connecting as a band, and then show up with the t-shirt on. You get, you know, that, that visual element. I mean, uh, my, my wife and I were just watching a pink concert and, the moment she enters that stage to the moment she leaves she's on fire she's leaving nothing and Bono, did, i mean all these these the great framework like we said earlier um yeah that visual elements important man so yeah
1: well before we hit before we hit record you were you were talking about a show you saw at the gorge and i told you i was going to ask you to probably have to re- recount that that story so i i'm going to ask you to sure because this was a band that i wasn't expecting yeah Me it's neither. not a band that i'm expect- yeah <laughs> so can you please
0: share that story yeah absolutely so we were talking in the green room before we started and uh as you know I, so i've seen thousands of concerts over the year you know everything from pink floyd to def leppard to genesis to um to pow to uh, d schneider you know uh Uh, uh, UFO, um, God, you, you know, go on, Van Allen. Um, and, uh, my favorite concert I've ever gone to was with my wife, uh, was with, uh, uh, for Zach Brown. And like you said, you were shocked. Um, yeah, so was I. I was like, I mean, I was, I was looking forward to going to the concert because we're at the gorge and we're camping and I'm with my beautiful wife and that's always a great time and blah, blah, blah. I was not expecting to walk away going, okay, that was the best concert I've ever gone to. And that's what we were talking about. The reason it was the best concert, I've had some people go Zach Brown. And it's not that they don't think he's great, but it's like Zach Brown did something like a lot of these, these other great who he just got up there and he was himself. And it wasn't like, you know, he, he he wasn't, I don't think he, I'm sure there was a lot of intention and in thinking about the fans and stuff, but you know, he didn't just go up there and just do his own music and stay true to that. He was true to himself. And just like you and I was shocked at the time, like you were shocked. I was saying it was Zach Brown was my favorite concert. Um, I think probably, you know, his fans were probably shocked, um, but fell in love with him even more because, because even though he writes the kind of music he does, just because like when someone hears a musician play, they may hear him playing rock guitar. Maybe, maybe that rock guitar, and they think, oh, they're, they're a dream theater fan or they're a Metallica fan. You know what? Maybe they are, but maybe their favorite band is Enya. You don't know. And so Zach Brown, you know, with with his style of music, you know, when he gets up there, he gives his audience him. Authenticity pays off in the end, always pays off in the end. And who would have known that he was a Metallica fan and a Guns N' Roses fan and a Queen fan? All great bands. I love all those bands. But, you know, a couple songs in, they did Sandman by Metallica. The midway point of the show, they all came out on the catwalk, sat on stools and they did Patience by Guns N' Roses. And then at the end of the show for their encore, the black lights went on the on stage. They came out in these black outfits with uh, uh, fluorescent paint on the, on the costumes that made them look like dancing skeletons. And they did Bohemian Rhapsody. And so, that was why it was my, and it taught me something. Well, it's like, don't, I mean, yeah, you have to focus on what's true to your audience. I know my, my, my wife, um, just Whitty. She always, it, when she's working on her show and songs, she, I hear her talk about it to me and to her bandmates. Yeah, we, but we need to think about our audience. So being intention to your, being intentional to your audience, being authentic to yourself, it sounds complicated. It's like, no, just be yourself. While you're being yourself, think okay. Well, maybe a little bit of this part of myself is a bit too much for my audience. Whatever, but um, you know, we had this conversation around the fire last night. A little polarization every once in a while is not a bad thing, you know. And and stepping over that line and pushing, you know, I mean, like my uh, my uh, my wife is a obviously a country artist, and um, so you know, some of the cover songs that they do, like. Um, uh, You know, it wouldn't be a stretch if I told you, well, they do the change or the chain Um, by Fleetwood Mac. That probably mm-hmm. would that would probably what you'd be. Oh, yeah. Well, I can see that country band, whatever. But um, she just added a new uh, song to her set. Um, Hit Me With Your Best Shot by Pat Benatar. That one had me go, hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it made me kind of go hmm, as well until I heard them play it and they cutrified it and they're just being themselves and they're just having fun. And they're saying, you know what? Screw it. We love this song. And if we love it, that love's going to be expressed through the way that we put it together. And it, and, and it was, and now they're talking, you know, they're talking about other songs like uh, um, they're talking about doing a stone song. I think um, we're talking about maybe doing Thunderstruck by ACDC. And it's kind of that same thing goes back to why, my favorite concert was Zach Brown because you just, if you're just yourself and then think a little, I mean, it definitely got to think about your fan base, but just being yourself, just being true. just, it's too much work to try to be somebody
1: else. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So you also perform in another band, right? I well, do. So why don't we talk about that? Sure.
0: Uh, Strangely. All right. Um, We've been together for probably um, six or seven years. Um, It's the brainchild of uh, Regan Lane, um, who is a a local guy, um, local music royalty. He was the lead singer of the stripes back in the day. And uh, so uh, Regan Lane is on um, lead vocals and uh, primary songwriter. Sean Van Domlin is the lead guitar player. Jason bear is the drummer. Ken Schaff is the bass player. And then I'm the keyboard player. Um, and uh, the, it originally started out with us doing all of Regan's music, um, but the band over the last couple of years has morphed into doing music by both Regan Lane and also um, Sean Van Domlin. And they're also the producer and, and engineer for everything we record. We do in our own studio. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a misfit. We're a bunch of misfits, uh, uh, you know, everyone in the band is in some sort of recovery for either uh, diabetes like myself or drugs or alcohol or, uh, you know, whatever. Um, and that goes into a, the way we connect with the audience and and, 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 the way that we perform as brothers and our lead singer is an amazing front man. And, um, you know, it's just such a great band cause you know, people, people aren't gonna, you know, they're just strangely all right. Cause we're just, you know, you couldn't have picked five different guys. And yet we get together in a band. And I mean, this last year we released, you know, uh some singles, Inside a Place, um, uh Psych film, um, Alien Lover. Um, and these are like eight minute songs, Scott. It's like answering it's like asking me a question. It takes eight minutes, <laughs> right? But anyway, you got but check it out, strangeellright dot com. It's it's a it's a muse of I mean, it, it was a lot poppier beforehand. It was way more beat when we, our, our previous EP came out a couple of years ago called stuff. It was more poppy, um, you know, cheap, trick cheap trick meets the Beatles meets, um, David Bowie. And now it's more, you know, uh, David Bowie meets, uh, you know, the Beatles, uh, meets Pink Floyd. Okay, So, um, but yeah, that's it. So the, the, the those, those are my two main bands. We have the astronaut and, um, and strangely, All right. And I think both of those names
1: are awesome. I just they're strangely All right. It's just something about that name that I just I chuckle. And you guys were doing um, a YouTube show for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And your first episode featured another Tacoma artist, or well, he, he grew up in Tacoma, but he called right. himself a Seattle artist. We'll we'll make fun of him. We will. Uh, yes, that'd be kind of fun. No, but that was I, and that's kind of that was kind of my introduction to you was because he said, Hey, did you check this out? And I, and it was, cause it's been a couple of years since you guys did that. Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. Wasn't that like, yeah. Like seven, three,
0: yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Three years, something like that.
1: Yeah. And uh, anyway, um, I thought that was kind of a, at first I thought it was the name of the show. I thought that was, I didn't know there was a band attached right. to it.
0: The band and came just, first.
1: Yeah. But the show idea, strangely all right, kind of reminded me of, the show, kind of, when I was in college, local show was almost live. Somehow, yeah. I connect almost live and strangely all right. Strangely all right, in my brain they connect. I don't know why there is no connection, but
0: well, may, may, maybe a, a, it's the local connection, you know, kind of thing. And Because yeah, I was a big fan of almost live, and then when it became the two oh six, same thing. Right. Um, but, you know, Pat and uh, uh, Chris Cashman, um, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, strangely all right TV. Um, yes, and that's how you and I are connected initially is uh, because our first guest was Michael Wansley, um, a.k.a. the Wands uh, from the Macklemore Wands. camp. And he's, a, he's, he's good people. And Michael and I met in 1996. I was in a band called Bad Flowers and Bad Flowers and a band called the Ghetto Monks. We shared a drummer, but we also shared a rehearsal pad in Seattle, in a shitty little room that didn't even have heat in it. And it was terrible but yeah, his band, the ghetto monks and my band, bad flowers were playing in the Seattle area and getting some success and having good. And and he was a, you know, he was a rock singer, um, funk, you know, and, and, uh, um, yeah. And then years later, you know, Macklemore was blowing up and I was playing with this young kid named Nolan Garrett and, uh, managing him. And we went to this, uh, studio, I think in Fedorway or Auburn, I can't remember where it was, Scott, but, um, uh, they said, "Yeah, the Wands is going to be there," and and Nolan's like, "Yeah, I'd love love to meet him." I'm like, "Okay, I'll, well, I'll I'll put it together." Now, mind you, I didn't put two and two together. I didn't realize the Wands was Michael Wandsley because I knew right. Michael Wansley as a funk rock singer. So we we get there and we walk in and and uh, they say, "Oh yeah, Wandsley, he's in the back there, just giving him a tour right now." And so he comes walking down the hallway, and I look at him and I'm like, "Michael Wandsley," and he looks at me and he goes. <laughs> He, he and i remembered him and he looked at me and goes he kind of had that like okay why do i know you but i didn't have a beard back in the day okay um, and i had longer hair so he was like and i said raymond hayden bad flowers and he's like oh my god and then i was like oh my god you're the wands <laughs> he's like michael wansley i'm like oh my and i felt like an idiot because you know when I knew of Michael Wansley was, you know, this guy who, I mean, he's always a hip dresser, but he wasn't wearing suits, you know, and he was, and, and, and I can't remember if people called him Wans or not back then. I think maybe they did, but that was 1996. So I didn't put two and two together. And of course, um, I eventually lived that down, but um,
1: anyway. <laughs> I, I met him in 1980. Wow. He was playing in a band called Central Connection.
0: Hmm.
1: And they were a Earthwind and Fire esque band. Oh, nice! And they were they were playing at Central Washington. Uni- well, they were all from Central Washington University, right? right? Right, right. And so they had the matching outfits and all that. And and that's so. I've known him since 1980.
0: Joe yeah, well, didn't you say you guys were were you guys college roommates?
1: We or- were college roommates, and then oh. yeah, and then yeah. There's more, but that's that's enough for the show. Um, yeah. <laughs> But before we wrap this up, I'd sure, like sure. to touch on your podcast because you've been podcasting for quite some time. Mm-hmm. What, why don't you tell us about your show and okay. where people can find you and things like that? Sure. No, I, and I appreciate
0: that. Um, so my podcast is called Houston. We have a program. Um, it was named by my wife. Um, and of course the height of, you know, having grieved the astronaut, you know, everything's spacey. Right. right. And so, uh, so the, so the platform we use to record on is, is Squadcast, just like you are. Um, the host is Seattle Wave Radio, uh, Mark and Linda Gordon, who are very dear friends of mine and have an online radio uh, program, Seattle Wave Radio. So if you go to SeattleWaveRadio.com and you go to the podcast section, you'll see uh, Houston episode one or two. Or if you go to my website, RaymondHayden.net, um, you can also go to the podcast section on there. So Houston, I, I had a I had a, a podcast podcast years ago on NWCZ radio called the aquarium. And uh, I was very similar to what it is now. And that is, is I wanted to bring artists on there, but give people a, a like make them feel like they're in the same room, just like you're doing with me. Um, Very relaxed, comfortable um, conversation um, here, here with their music. And, um, and just again, be myself, you know, uh, the, um, uh, so I only have, uh, so on, on the aquarium, maybe did 160 episodes on Houston. We've only done about 30 so far. Um, but we've interviewed, uh, everyone from the, you know, guitar player from autograph, Steve Lynch to, uh, Grammy, uh, uh, European Grammy winning uh, saxophone player, Paul Sotel lately, the guys up at London bridge, Jeff Ott. Um, earlier this year we interviewed Rachel or last year we interviewed Rachel flowers, who's a progressive rock uh, keyboard player. Um, we interviewed Car Park North. The most recent interview we did was with the keyboard player for Europe, uh, <laughs> which uh, him and I had a relationship back in the eighties, but if you turn it into the podcast, you'll check it out. But um, so he, yeah, he's the keyboard player for Europe and we, they're normally a, about 45 minutes to a, an hour long. And we, we just have a conversation like we're sitting in a room on a couch and you're invited and uh, uh, we play their music And we put in some corny bumpers and, um, it's, it's very well, very professionally produced by the owner of Seattle wave radio. And yeah, it's called Houston. And I do it because back to what I said earlier on in my long winded explanations, my, my mission, my, my reason for being here is connection. And so if I can reach out and connect with these, you know, these artists that I, I respect and admire and share them with, um, my audience, um, the, all kinds of connections start happening and to give you a real quick example of that is the interview i did before that was with a band called car park north and they're denmark one of denmark's biggest bands and if you haven't heard of them out there check them out car park north they're amazing amazing electronic pop you know rock band and uh so the lead singer lao um i had no idea but uh when uh Europe's management company and I were going back and forth negotiating for about six months to get Mick on the show. Um, He had listened to a little bit of the show and and made a nice comment about Car Park North. And so uh, after our interview, I I, I emailed the lead singer, Lau, of Car Park North. And I said, hey, uh, just so you know, I said, uh, make sure you tune in later this week. I said, I've got Europe, the, the keyboard player for Europe on here. And, uh, uh, by the way, he had some nice things to say about your, uh, about your band. Um, not on air. He didn't, but in the green room he did. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, just, that's uh, what I do. I don't know, no rock on, on, and let you tell everybody, if someone says some nice about somebody, you, 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 you call them, you email, you text me, let them know, you know, never know how it could change your day. I get an email back the next day from Laos saying, oh my God, like a, like a little school kid. It's like, oh my God. He's like, you have no idea how much that meant to me. Europe was a huge inspiration for me. And so back to that connection thing. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pat myself on the shoulder. I'm just saying, I do what I do. I love it. It's not work because it's just fun, but that's where that podcast fits into my realm is just another way to connect with people.
1: In the green room, you mentioned you wanted. We wanted to talk about and awkwardly bringing this up, but community.
0: Right. Oh, there's nothing awkward about that. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <no,
1: laughs> well, I kind of wanted to like weave it in, you know. Oh, but sure, I, sure. So weaving well, it in carefully. No. Yes. Well, you're. Produ-
0: I feel. bad. I feel bad for your producer. He's gonna be like, oh my god, he's gonna have to. No, me. he
1: doesn't. He doesn't clean up much. Seriously, we just this is not gonna get cleaned up a whole lot. We're not okay. produced like you are.
0: Oh no! Well, it's hey man, we're all we're, we're all different. If we're all the same it would be boring. Um, right. so community, yeah. Community is one of the most powerful things. Um, no matter what you're doing in life, whether you're a stockbroker or you're an electrician or you're a teacher or whatever community, community, community to support each other in a community allows you to connect with people and to commiserate and to support and lift up when those need lift up and and when and and when they need um, a light shined on them. And in the music community especially because it's such a objective or subjective thing. I mean, there's so many different genres, and, you know, Tacoma's got a huge hip hop, you know, uh, uh, niche and and a rock niche and whatever. And community is what drives everything because what artists really need is to connect with their fans. But by connecting with their their peers in their community, we're able to learn from one another and the things that are tough about this industry, which we don't need to get into today. Um, you can commiserate and you can come up with ideas to overcome those and go through those. Um, if you look back to the nineties, um, when there was in uh, the, the proliferation of grunge acts and whatever, and if it, you know, if you're involved in that, which we were, um, we weren't a grunge band, we were a horn band at the time. So, uh, go figure we didn't have any success at that time. <laughs> um, but those bands, um, they, they supported each other. If they weren't playing, they'd come out and see them. They'd tell their fans to go support them. And there was this community. There was no, there isn't, no, it's not about competition. It's about community and lifting each other up and giving each other a hard time. But if a band comes out and says, Hey, we hit, uh, you know, we just sold, um, you know, 10, I don't know. We just sold out a 10,000 seat arena. Um, you could be another band going, God, I want that. Well, and, 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 and then maybe you're, you know, that, Maybe that, um, that, that, uh, uh, your, your, self-esteem or your envy takes over and, um, you look at that as compet- competition and no, it, no, it's like, no, you, first of all, reach out and tell them, Hey, good job. And then say, Hey, would you, would you be open to going out and have a beer on me? I'd love, I'd love to hear how you got to this place. That's community. Um, mm-hmm. not, you know, but don't get me wrong. It's not it's also about being, you know, real people in friendship, whatever it does. I'm not saying, I'm not advocating, Hey, if you see someone doing something and having success, call out to him, reach out to him, do whatever. It's like, Hey, how about call up and start with, Hey, how are you doing today? And meaning it, and then shutting the hell up and letting them tell you. And Hey, if the conversation that day goes to, let's get together and to have a beer. And maybe that, maybe, maybe the only thing you do is just talk. And, you know, maybe the kid, maybe his kid is having trouble in school or whatever, but, Coming back to that community thing, it's what wraps everything up. And without community, you have the you might as well wrap it up because, you know, it, it, community, another word for community is family. Another word for family is tribe. And all those are very, very powerful words. And it brings it all together. It makes it so worth it because at the end of the day, what are we trying to do? Why are you having a podcast? To connect with your guests, to connect with your audience. And so... I appreciate you bringing that up because yeah, that is probably one of the most powerful, one of the most important things to me in
1: my life um, is is community. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up with a couple of easy questions. Oh, great! It's easy for me to ask, hard Profit. for you to answer. All right. Okay, are you a coffee fan?
0: Love coffee. Yes.
1: Okay, so not putting you on the spot like I did with the, with your favorite venue because like you may know people that own coffee shops, but in the Tacoma area, where do you go for coffee? Anthem. Okay. Anthem Which and coffee?
0: One? Uh, I either go to the one at Union Station. Um, see, you're, you're like, hey, I'm going to trick this guy. I'm going to find out if he's no. serious. No, I'm kidding. No. Um, no, Anthem. I, uh, so I, I do little adventures uh, with, with uh, friends of mine a um, couple of times during the week, and we go out and walk. And so uh, my favorite two anthems are number one, the one downtown in Pacific, um, and the Union Station. Um, it's super cool. You can go down there and get yourself a cup of coffee. They're always friendly and helpful. And then you can walk across the bridge and see the Chihuly art and go over and see, you know, around the glass museum and the waterfront, Theophos waterway. Right and then the other one, um, which I did this morning, actually, um, uh, with my friend Naomi is, uh, is the anthem in Puyallup. And so we'll go down to Puyallup, sit there, get a c- cup of Joe. Oh, again, very sweet. Um, and then walk around, walk around Puyallup. And, always- and, then, and the coffee's great.
1: I always am surprised when I go into one of their, one of their locations. I don't know if they have more than those two. So if there's a third or fourth one, I don't. Okay.
0: They do. There's more, there's more than those two.
1: But I've been to both of the ones you mentioned, the nice. one, especially. Yeah. Yep. And it's almost like walking. It's almost, I feel like I'm walking into, you know, the old TV show Cheers. I mean, it's like, yeah. Hey, you know, and they're just gregarious and outgoing and it's, yep. yeah, it's got a very great, it's got a great atmosphere.
0: And it has a, it has a very eclectic, uh, it's weird. I mean, I guess, I guess most coffee shops do, but for whatever reason, I've really noticed a very, very eclectic, uh, eclectic, um, patronage there. I mean, this morning there was, um, there was a couple of gals there with their babies and, and, and people were, you know, the girls were oogling over them. And then over to the right were, uh, uh, two, uh, uh um, uh, Korean, Korea area, uh, veterans, you know, um, okay. old timers just sitting over there. Okay. And, and, uh, you know, I it just, it's, it's, I like that. I like, I mean, yeah, it's not just like, you don't just walk in as a bunch of, you know, 20 somethings.
1: Sorry, Kenzie. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, The other question is when you're not doing music in the Tacoma area, what do you like to do for fun? What, what you've already kind of said, you walk across the bridge, looking at the Chihuly art, which is amazing. Thea Foss waterways. Awesome. All that. But what else is there for you in Tacoma? Uh,
0: uh, Oh yeah. Um, you know, it would have been easier to answer a year ago right for obvious reasons with the with the with the pandemic and stuff like this um if i just without even thinking about it i would say right off the bat um uh there's a huge uh cigar um population people who smoke cigars and uh so whether it's the thunderbird um or it's uh, smokey joe's and bj's um you know like going there and grabbing a good cigar and a whiskey with friends um you just have great conversation and, and uh, laughing. Um, another thing would be um, probably my wife and I's two favorite places to go to eat would be Marzano's in Parkland, Italian restaurant. Um, it's a house that was many years ago, 20 plus years ago, retrofitted into an Italian restaurant. Um, little pricey, but it's worth every pity. It's Marzano's. And then uh, we like to do the happy hour um, at El Gaucho um, because you know we can afford that and um, it's dark and dreary and um, yeah so yeah that's that's right right now in the comedy club too but again with with the pandemic thing it's kind of redefined what we do in Tacoma
1: and do you really do you really want to go on record saying El gaucho is dark and dreary?
0: Well not dreary maybe Dre- yeah okay <laughs> dark and dreary is probably not the way. Dark and um oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you feel like you're an old, in an old rat pack movie?
1: Oh, absolutely. That's, that's the vibe that they have there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Dreary is not the right word. Thank you for, yeah. yeah, Thank you for getting that. Yeah. We're
1: going to leave that in, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Okay. I'm going to get, I'm going to get your prices just went up. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no, yeah. Just, just, I mean, in in the older I get, the simpler it is. I mean, just my favorite thing to do, whether it's in Tacoma or in Palm Springs, you know, when we, my my wife and I went there recently, or when we go to do shows in Copenhagen where her family's from, because my wife's Danish American, um, the same thing it all comes back to just sitting down either having coffee or having whiskey or a cigar or whatever and just talking and and, yeah. and about nothing uh, just you know it's like it's like the whole it's like Seinfeld right it's a show about nothing that's my life man
1: you life about nothing <laughs>
0: although you wouldn't know that because you haven't been able to shut me up but anyway
1: oh my gosh <laughs> I love it We'll put some show notes at the bottom, but why don't you, uh, close this out by telling people where they can find you online and all your projects because you're pretty prolific oh, and, uh, people should check you out.
0: Well, I, uh, I appreciate that, Scott. And, and sincerely, man, I've, I, I, I've really had a good time and, um, uh, you make me, uh, you just been one more sign, if you will, but to agree with the astronaut thing that, um, that this being authentic thing, it's paying off because I get a, I get it. I wouldn't have got to meet you ahead of time. And you're, and you're, we'll have to have a copy at, at Anthem one of these days. Yes. Um, but, uh, so how people can find out of me is just recently, um, cause, uh, my wife created, uh, I had a couple different websites, but if you go to Raymond dot net, that's R A Y M O N D dot net. Um, you'll be able to find everything I do. Um, it's all listed there, you know, whether it's pro- podcasts or projects with the bands we've been talking about, um, about me, if you want to find out about me for, for whatever reason um, um, I have a blog, uh, which I just started, um, but everything's there. RaymondHayden.net. Of course you can find me on Facebook. Um, I have a personal page and an artist page and, but uh, you know, the bands and everything I do is under RaymondHayden.net. Simple. I wanted to keep it simple so it wouldn't be a stretch for people to have to keep going around. Um, and I've, I've, I've had a good time, man. Thanks for having me on your podcast and letting me, uh, let me talk.
1: (laughs) Well, I I appreciate you. This has been a lot of fun for me and, uh, let's do this again.
0: Yeah, let's do it. How about, how, how about this? Let Let me throw it this way. I've never in the entire time I've ever, um, been doing my own podcast. I've never had another podcaster on. So why don't I return the favor and have you on my podcast and let's talk about your what you've done and some of your some of your favorite guests and whatever i mean seriously i mean it's it's re- it, it'd be it'd be cool to kind of get what's it like being a podcaster i mean there's so many podcasters just like there's so many musicians out there there's so many podcasters you know let's let's dig into that is that cool i'd, I'd love that right, we're gonna I'd love do that it. chance we're on brother. awesome we're on all right you.